Hi, I am Martha Montoya. I'm the CEO of Actus Inc. I was born in Colombia, came over 25 years ago. Please join me on this journey on writing the next chapter. Welcome to a special Leading Women in IAEOZ edition of our podcast, Exploring What Works, an inspired series where we are celebrating and elevating female voices, women who are making a difference and an impact in and around opportunity zones, agriculture, and minority communities. Hi, I'm your host, Timothy Maurice Webster, a behavioral psychology author. And today I'm super excited to welcome in Martha Matoya, CEO of Actools Inc. Martha has over 25 years of experience as a leading voice in food agriculture. Martha, welcome to the What Works IAEOZ podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Timothy, for the opportunity and for sharing my story with me. You know, I want to thank you for your leadership. It's really an honor to have you on. I appreciate, I know it's not been easy, particularly being a part of a minority group where you've had to fight for so much. So I want to thank you for being on with us. Thank you so much. And and you will hear where my leadership skills will come. I will shock a couple of people, but that's what we minorities are, survival. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to when you were a young girl, Martha. When did you first see yourself as a leader? It was when I was 15 years old and we had a boat overturned in the Atlantic coast and we had to stay three days and two nights in the water. And I was the only one who knew how to swim. And I had over 10 members of the family attached to that boat. And I became a leader overnight. I mean, literally that second to manage my father, my cousins, my uncles, and hope to survive, which we did on our own. And so I looked, I had to look where did my skills come from? Because I'm always on this fast, easy survival mode across my world in supply chain. And it really comes from there, survival. Take us back to that boat. When you, when your emotions, when your emotions were really high, when you saw your life and your family's life right in front of you, when you went inside of yourself, what did you discover? Did you discover you had capacities that you didn't realize you had? What, what was that like? First, you discover God very fast. That's number one thing. I mean, you kind of know God, you grow with God, whatever religion you are, you're in a religion. Uh, but you discover God and you know that no longer you have control of your life. And that the only thing you have to do is kind of move with the waves, literally let the waves take you and settle down. Take, have peace within yourself, have peace with everybody around you and just manage the best you can with the little resources we have because we didn't even have, uh, call that uh, jackets, life jackets. We didn't even have that. So that has been my comparison to surviving in the United States of America, that continuous survival, no life jackets, and just go with the wave. Look, I, I know this is going to probably end up in a book one day, so I, I'm going to move on, but I can't wait to hear more. You're now the CEO of Ag Tools. Tell us a little bit about your role and the work you're doing, and what are some of the things you guys do to support women? My... Um, traveling around the world, notice I noticed that in the farm, well, 95% of our farms in the world are family owned. And I always ask who makes the last decision in the household of anything? 
and tends to be the wife. So there's this misconception that because we see a guy on a tractor, he is the farmer and the leader of that farm. But guess what? It's not. If we look, we come from matriarch communities where the mother is the one who makes the decision, the wife makes the decision. And so that misconception has to start changing that. It's not women farmers, but women in the farm. And that's very important. Um, and then the second part of it is that when I came to the United States, I looked in, I initially, again, the miss, I was dropped here to do a project and hey, I'm dealing with farmers. But then as I go, grew into it and found out that the census of the United States were not counting who made decisions in the farms until in 2017, where it went from 17% to 50% where two people make the decisions. I can promise you that it's more like 70 to 80% the women in the farm. And when wow. I have had focus groups with farmers, literally gentlemen that are 50, 60 years old, even white guys saying, uh, we asked him, so when you make the decision on everything on the farm, ready to sign the check, my mother, my wife. So there is a misconception. We have to start moving around fast to make sure that our farms uh, are prosperous. Wow. You know, what I want to, I want to put you on a stage right now and in the audience are going to be our allies supporting agencies, people who really genuinely are interested in supporting Latino minorities, but maybe they don't have the best insights or they're not operating at the level of urgency that they could. You know, the Department of Agriculture, Minority Business Development Agency, HUD, Department of Energy, USAID. Talk to them a little bit. What are some of the things that they need to be thinking about to intensify their urgency in this work? I would say the big misconception across the whole world is the supply chain um, in, any, in any aspect, whether it's housing, whether it's opening markets. There's 76 variables that impact at any time our supply chain worldwide, even local-wide. You say 76 variables? 76. Wow. So if you have a farmer in Detroit doing blueberries, that farmer is being impacted by somebody knows in Argentina, who in okay. turn is being impacted by somebody in Spain, who is impacted. And each one of them have its own ecosystem of variables that are like a water, when you drop a, a, a stone in the water and it, it becomes like waves. Yep. And so the misconception we have of supply chain across the world is how do we understand how to move product from a point A to point B? in the right, the right way. So my advocacy to all of our partners is look beyond the A to B, look beyond one dimension, look multidimensional because that exchange rate in euros in Spain is impacting Argentina, who's dumping the food in the United States, which impacting our farmer across the street in Detroit. Wow. See? That type of thinking has to start happening, even housing even the semiconductor issue that is going on now. Who, something happened two years ago or a year ago, three years ago, that we should have seen it. But we, are become, we have become such a one dimension thinkers that we're not looking that the world has changed into a globalization. Now, I'm imagining that these guys are on the edge of their seats at this moment. They're like, <laughs> this woman, they heard the part 
in my introduction with you that heard the part about how you help save people on a boat. Um, they want to know more. You have to give us one more thing that they need to know <laughs> because they're on the edge of their seats listening. I would say the most important thing is uh, tolerance. Tolerance to the fact that we are all in this whole, COVID-19 has brought a lot of awareness, but we're in a, we're in a Petri dish, I call it. You, the world is in a Petri dish. We're all testing each other, everything. So we have to have a lot of patience among all of us, but we can't not and should not stop looking at, and I will insist on those 76 variables, whether it's the exchange rate, whether it's a strike in the middle of nowhere in, in Johannesburg, I left apartheid when I used to yes. ship things. So there's so many variables. So I would say tolerance, but don't slow down. Wow. You have... It's such an expansive background in this area. One of the things that you and I share in common is our ability to influence editorial, you know, the written and print and digital space and the sheer importance and value of clear, succinct messaging to get into the right hands. Share a little bit about your work as your editorial advisory work and why this is important to you. I'll give you a little secret. I was a cartoonist at the beginning of my life. Oh, and wow. The <laughs> and the reason I was a cartoonist is because my parents own a school and university for working families. So imagine a gentleman who drove a truck all day long or a lady who cleaned houses all day and they have to come and do a high school uh, class and learn chemistry or physics or whatever. And, and like, I just need to drive. I need to get my diploma so I can drive my, my truck. So cartooning for me, and Mr. Walt Disney have said it, um, lowers the guard and makes life easier. So that's how I started my life. And the cartooning or the storytelling of cartoons tend to lower the amount of information and make it much simpler and much easier to understand. Not because we're not smart, it's because we have so much data coming to our brains. We need to just make it easy and simple. So I think editorial in general, I, I love all my all the partners that are listening to us. I know that you need to put a lot of data, but let's just think that our, our, our brains can only absorb so much at a time. And that's really the reality. That is unbelievable. The, the idea of making things simple and, you know, a big... A big part of my interest is neuroscience and human behavior and thinking about how the brain internalizes story and simplicity. And it's incredible how sometimes we get caught up in our own jargon, using all these big words and all of this stuff. And your background being a cartoonist and your ability to translate that to the 76 variables. That is magic, Martha. That is magic. You know, I want us to move to, I want you to now imagine that these partners have left the room and you're left with a few young women mm -hmm. who are just like, look, I am yearning to learn a few leadership insights from you, from, you know, the, your 25 years and your expansive background. What are a few of the simple things you'd like to share with these young women who are trying to get to your level? There are three, I would say. The number one is how much are you worth per hour? Mm. And calculate that. 
I'm worth $50 an hour, I'm worth $5 an hour, I'm worth $100 an hour. And I joke, my daughter jokes that I'm a $400 an hour person. Because, <laughs> because you have to calculate that and see if at the end of the month, you have been able to pay yourself. Okay. That pushes you to think, I need to get this. I need to sell better. I need to sell myself better. I need to get a job better. Whatever that is to elevate me to that level of, hey, I should get paid that amount of money, whether it's my own business or working for somebody. That's number one. We tend to be so nice and so kind to help everyone, but we have a value and we have to put a value into it and put it always on, on a little paper in front of your computer, your desk. That's how much your hour is. The second thing is financials. We women tend to shy away from financials and understanding financials. The world moves around financials. It's not, they're not that complicated. Believe me, wonderful young ladies, very simple. Profit and loss, cash flow, very simple. You have to learn that even if you work for somebody because the more you understand your, 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 your piece within that company or that government entity, the value that you have, your department has and how you increase that makes you pushes you up into the ladder of corporate or government or your business. Sure. Right? And I would say the third one, I'm more, the third one, which is the base of everything, we women are multi, multi, multi-task. Uh, we manage many things at the same time, and we tend to do very good about that. But you should focus on two or three maximum to make sure that you keep, we, I tend to find a lot of wonderful women that have so many ideas. Focus on two or three. And that was taught to me by Mr. Schulz from Snoopy, the creator of mm. Snoopy. Focus mm. on two or three characters. That was the thinking. Don't, don't have, I had 100 characters or 100 and some characters. And he had only five, six Snoopy characters, right? So focus on four, because then your energy and your creativity focuses on that. And it makes you better at that versus good at too many things. You know, I, as we wrap this conversation I want to flip it a little bit. And I didn't plan to ask you this, but I feel people tugging on my shoulder. I want to imagine that I want to move away from our allies for a moment, our supporting partners, USAID, these guys. And I want to imagine, I want the listener to imagine that the entire minority community is out on an ocean, no life vest. What can we do for ourselves to survive and begin to thrive and to position ourselves for the future by, you know, in that moment of intensity where we feel like all hope is gone, there's no support, no one cares about these variables. What can we do for ourselves as minorities? That's a good point. So knowing that we save ourselves versus somebody saved us. Yes. um, My lessons were discipline. 100% 100% discipline. Uh, there's one interesting thing that I notice in my community, which is we tend to get going and then we lower the guard because we're exhausted. Because And we are exhausted. There's no going yes. around that. Yes. We are exhausted. But we have no choice. And I always tell my kids, imagine if you were crossing Syria into Italy. That mm. is exhausting and you have no choice. That was me. We had no choice but to continuously switch turns, how we slept, who slept, what time we moved, how we moved the boat. It was it was intense, and I, I knew I was known for being intense, and I became very intense. 
And I think that that's why I landed in this whole agricultural industry because it's very intense. I tell people, once you plant that tomato, only you have so many weeks to sell that tomato. Once that tomato is out of the vine, it's either you sold it that day or it's trashed the next day. So your whole investment is gone. So that whole thinking process of that boat is the continuous discipline of ourselves and around us. And yes, it becomes intense to the family members. Yes, it becomes intense to our workers, but we have no choice. This is the time that we have where there is a completely disarray in the world. And there's a window of opportunity for us to walk through with this discipline in the next two, three years and make it. Uh, with the funds that are coming in, with the business opportunities that are coming in, but we have to be very, very disciplined and very focused. Martha Montoya, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much, Emoti. I love you. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Thank you so much. I love you too. And thank you to everyone listening. We appreciate the fact that you chose to download this content. We appreciate the journey you're taking with us. And please do share this with someone who cares about minority communities and developing the next generation of leaders. Until next time.